Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 one and all, to another edition of Extra Innings, part of the official Redbird Rants podcast, where we do a little something extra every single time. I'm your host, Tito Rivera, and I'm joined alongside by my co-editor, Dr. Michael Miles. Dr. Miles, how are you tonight? I'm doing well, and uh, welcome to our special guest. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll get to that. But, fellas, I am outside in the rain with my two sons working on building more of the fence for our pig pasture. Yes, you heard that correctly, our pig pasture. So bear with me, but I'm in the rain, and I hope you guys are in uh, nicer conditions. I'm just merely indoors, no big deal. And we are also joined by a contributor, Josh McDonald. Josh, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. Um, I just, I feel like you probably could have put a little bit more like of an emphasis on it, like our best contributor or one of the greatest <laughs> contributors, but you know, that's, that's just me. Yeah. Well, you know, nothing. Josh, I mean, we can no. say he's definitely, he's definitely our best at hyperbolic self glorification. Sure. Yeah. I'll we'll go that. with that. <laughs> and tonight, we do have a special guest tonight, and he is a writer for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. We are proud to welcome Mr. Jose de Jesus Ortiz. Jose, how are you tonight? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We are doing just fine. Again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We want to give a special shout-out to uh, Crash STL, or Gene Bonds, as uh, pretty much everybody knows him now. Uh, for getting us connected with you and our other special guests in previous uh, renditions of Extra Innings. So, Jose, let's get right to it. Um, We want to know a little bit about you. You're new to the STL area. Um, You're new to the Post-Dispatch. So my first question to you is, you know, how did you get into the business uh, uh, of sports writing? Oh, wow. Um, That's a a lot. I mean, there's not enough time for for that discussion. Uh, long, <laughs> yeah. story short, long story short, I, I didn't know what part of journalism I wanted to be in, whether I wanted to be in a, a foreign correspondent or if I wanted to be a sports writer or a news writer, a political writer. Um, and um, I took my first internship and and just kept, taking different types of internships. I, I took a copy editing internship at the Houston Chronicle. I took a uh, internship at the Mexico City Bureau of the Dallas Morning News. And and then I took a copy editing internship. Uh, well, I missed the copy, but I took a sports internship at the Long Beach Press-Telegram, and I, I had more fun with on the sports internship. And, and then um, I was able to just pretty much keep I stayed on the sports uh, front but um, I didn't I didn't 
autumn always want to be a sports writer uh i actually sure. wanted to be a, a foreign correspondent but until i went and worked in a foreign bureau and then i realized just how it was a lot of fun but it just wasn't I had more success early as a sports writer than than I expected to have on my way to become a foreign correspondent, so I decided to, to pursue sports writing. Awesome. And so for everybody that doesn't know, um, Jose was, you know, the lead Astros beat writer from 2001 through 2009, and now he's now writing about – St. Louis Cardinals and occasionally the St. Louis Blues, but I think your your passion is definitely within the baseball uh, stratosphere. Um, let me ask you this: what what is the what is the biggest difference in covering the St. Louis Cardinals versus the Houston Astros? Uh, well, there's no difference to be well for me. My job is different. Um, sure. I covered uh, as a columnist. You're expected the job requirement is to have an opinion. So as a beat writer, which is what I was in Houston, you're expected to to just pretty much cover the facts and and not, you know, you're not writing opinion pieces. So that's that's a huge difference. Um, okay. But other than that, there wasn't, um, you know, the St. Louisans care more about baseball. Uh, like baseball is the number one thing here. Uh, whereas in Houston, uh, football is the number one thing. When I was recruited back to Houston in 2001 from the Mets beat, the Astros was the top beat. Um, you know, and they had they had a pretty strong. Team, just like the, the you know the '97 to 2001 run with that team, you know, with a lot of great players. Uh, but then once the Texans came came into the NFL, and Houston got another NFL franchise, then it was it was clear. I mean, you listen to sports radio, and all they talk about is, is football. Right. Uh, and then, uh, whereas in Houston, in St. Louis, people cannot get enough of the Cardinals. People care about the Cardinals. They're passionate about the Cardinals. They're knowledgeable about the Cardinals. Um, very. The St. Louisans are as educated about the Cardinals as Houston's Houstonians are about the Texans. I mean, they, and you know, and St. Louis doesn't have an NFL franchise, so pretty much, you know, the the Cardinals own the year here. Yeah, and, and RIP to the Rams, even though they're still in Los Angeles now. But, yeah, and, and I think that's an interesting way to put it um, because we, I think we all know that, you know, Texas is known for, for football, um, but they do have some obvious baseball roots, and, you know, you have the Astros winning the World Series last year. Um, and so you, you would think that there's probably going to be a bigger push um, just because of the popularity of, of the players in uh, on the Astros, such as Altuve and, and Correa, right now, um, what do you think? You know, now that you've joined the the STO Cards Twitterverse, um, let's call it that. What what do you notice about 
the interaction with fans on Twitter um, when it comes to the St. Louis Cardinals? Because I know a lot of times, you know, we as fans are very, very hypercritical of certain things. Um, but I, I mainly lean on the fact is because we care. So what do you think? What What is your question, though? Because you, you, you started – with the interactions and you ask sure. generally, and you make it a more specific question. No. Yeah. So, so what I'm, uh, what I'm asking is, is, is what, what do you make of the interaction with the fans on Twitter uh, specifically with, you know, within the STL cards, Twitterverse? Well, I, I've always tried to be very accessible. Um, and, you know, so, so I interact, uh, but, I don't know. I don't know if it's like I'm trying to be nice here, and like <laughs> I don't let I don't let one segment of the fan base uh, kind of color my opinion of the whole fan base. But it's sure, you know, it has it it has its fair share of of people who go over the line. Um, but but I think for the most part, the great great majority of them are very knowledgeable and respectful. They have opinions. Um, it's you know, people who are upset tend to be a little bit louder. Uh, sure. And sometimes sometimes they forget that it's a 162 game season. And a lot of times in St. Louis, it feels like it's a it's a hundred and sixty two one game seasons instead of a hundred and sixty two game season. Um, you know, I remember the the game in Milwaukee where Tyler Lyons and and uh, Dominic Leone blew it, and everybody was crucifying uh, Mike Matheny, and the Cardinals weren't even a week into the season. You know, hadn't even played a whole week's worth of games. And I tried to remind people, or, you know, or 10 days' worth of games or whatever, and I tried to remind people that, you know, that wasn't on Messini. That sometimes the manager does the right moves, and it still doesn't work. Uh, and, And, you know, I've been here two years, and, and it's almost been – a reversal in that at first people were very defensive and very angry when I was critical of the Cardinals. And now, you know, sometimes I get, you know, people act as though I'm an apologist for the Cardinals. <laughs> like, you, you know, yeah. it all depends how you view it. And that's the beauty of sports writing, right? Like sports writing is the one segment of the paper where people go to read a story to verify what they already saw. Right. Or the other sections of the paper, you go to find out what you don't know, right? Sure. You know, you go to read the stories, whereas you go read a game story of the Cardinals, you want to verify what you saw. You want to verify your, you, you justify your opinion, you know, like. Sure. Um, and and sometimes you know I've seen 
I've seen two decades worth of soccer in L.A., New York, Houston, and now St. Louis and, and Florida. And I like to, I like to bring that. I like to think that that experience helps me in a way that it provides something different than than say people who have only covered one market, one major league market. So I like to be able to point out that hey, you know, these complaints that you have about Massini, every team that I've covered has had a fan base with similar complaints about it. You know. Every, Every manager is ripped for the way he treats his bullpen. You know, if, if the Cubs don't win mm-hmm. the World Series, uh, yeah, how do you Chapman think Joe Madden is remembered for his use of the bullpen in the sure. World Series? You know, I mean, like every, you know, Joe Madden got lucky in Game Seven because if they lose that Game Seven, he is never forgiven for using Chap. Chapman in game six the way he used them. You know what I'm saying? Like every manager you know, I covered A.J. Hinch. A.J. Hinch is you know, is considered one of the best managers in baseball right now. And uh, when he was in Arizona he was deemed, you know, not ready, not very good. And his joke was only as good as your bullpen. So, and that's and that actually, I, I, I kind of want to hit on that because I I read your article this morning and that is exactly what you you know you put in there um, that you know Mike Bettini or you know and you're kind of saying it this way is that any manager is as good as his you know is his bullpen, um, and I think you know I think you raise a, a fair point you know and I've kind of come around on that as well as you know. As a fan, it's very twofold. You know, you can blame the manager, but the manager doesn't pitch. Uh, ultimately, it comes down to the players uh, performing. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. And, and you know, your example of Chapman in the World Series is, 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 a, is a prime example of that. Um, Dr. Miles and Josh, you guys jump in whenever. I don't want to dominate the conversation. Um, but... Uh, let, let's go ahead and, and continue our, our, our cardinal conversation uh, with he, Jose de Jesus Ortiz here from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, Wayno's injury, it seems to come out of nowhere. You know, can, what, what kind of information do you have or, or how do you feel about that injury? Well, I, I, I'll be – I'll be honest, I was at the game Saturday, but Sunday I was at Vanderbilt with my daughter on a soccer trip. Um, so I wasn't around yesterday. I, I, okay. You know, so, so I, but elbow inflammation is not good uh, on a pitcher, obviously. Uh, and, and I don't know. I, I just don't know that. I have to speak to Wayno, obviously, but I worry that that he might not be able to make it out of out of the season because you know, there are a lot of miles on that arm. There are a lot of miles on that elbow that's already been reconstructed once, right? Uh, so 
I don't know. But but the good thing for 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 the Cardinals, like I, I sat down and I chatted with with John Mose like um Saturday for for a few minutes. Uh and we were just just chatting and and, and you know, and I asked about Wayno and Waka and, and just who, you know, like who's the fifth starter? And pretty much Wainwright's your fifth starter. They 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 started them in the home opener. They lined him up originally as the number two starter, which I thought was a huge mistake uh, because uh, you want your best pitchers lined up against the other team's best pitchers, right? So you, so the, the thought should have been Martinez uh, and then perhaps even Luke Weaver, uh, Walker, Michaelis, Wainwright. Like there's no reason to put – Listen, uh, put Wainwright behind Martinez, and then he ended up going on the DL. So, so he, but they brought him back for for the home opener. But he was still lined up, you know, essentially the number two or whatever. And but he's not your number two, so you can't have Wayno competing against another team's number two. And pitchers will always tell you, "Well, I'm not, I'm not competing against him. I'm competing against their lineup." But no, you are competing against him because if that guy's pretty good, you have to be pretty good mm-hmm. uh, to, to give your your team a chance to win. You know, I I covered the Astros when you had Roy Oswalt, Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, one, two, three. <clears throat> Roger Clemens won a Cy Young as a number three starter for the Astros, and you know. He he was competing against number three starters, uh, and Roy Oswald, you know, won twenty games competing against other teams' aces, and that's the best way to set up your team for success because you want your guy, you want Carlos Martinez starting games against the other team's best starter. You want Martinez able to hold the Reds. Uh, when Homer Bailey starting, right? You want to be able to get wins when Bailey holds your offense to three runs, you know, and mm-hmm. and that's that's the so. Long story. I, I worry about Wayno. Uh, I feel I feel for him because you know he's the biggest competitor, the best leader on that team. And just one of the true good guys in baseball. So, so I hope that that this is one of those injuries. And he tweeted yesterday, "I'll be back soon" or something to that effect. I'm uh, I forget the exact uh, quote, but I just don't, you know, I don't know sure. that the Cardinals can can count on him for the full year. But as I wrote in today's blog or column. You know how many teams can just bring up Flaherty to take that spot? Many fans would argue that that Flaherty is is the better option than Wainwright. Many last week, uh, people were clamoring for Flaherty to take Walker's spot. Right? Every time somebody struggles, 
we were bound to hear. Why, why is Flaherty wasting away? Uh, you know, and, you know, some people were talking about a six-man rotation. And and I told this to – I'll be honest, I'll tell you, that I told this to, to Mo on Saturday. I said, you know, I think – I think that is kind of was kind of ridiculous because if you have a pitching staff where fans are saying, you know, Walker should be out of the rotation, which I thought was ridiculous, or Wainwright should be out of the rotation. Well, if you're saying that, why would you want to have six men, you know, and he was right, like you're better off having a four-man rotation, you know. So – Few teams have the luxury that the Cardinals have of being able to just okay. Well, Wainwright goes on the DL. Let's bring Flaherty, the guy that everybody wants. He just threw his first complete game in the minors. Uh, Jose, this is this is Josh. Um, I think you hit on a couple of points. I was kind of focusing on with my question, but I feel like. Wainwright is probably one of the most divisive guys when it comes for for the fan base. I think you see a lot of the people they're either Wainwright's been with this team for so long, he's the leader, like you said, you know, he's the heart and soul of the team essentially outside of Molina and they want him to go out on a a good note, but then you have the other half that are saying we have a better option if we're going to compete, we need to go with Flaherty. Um do you and Wainwright? I think is interesting because he is so open, and I think they talked about it on the broadcast uh, yesterday. He's so open with everything. He called all the media together before spring training and talked about all the retirement talk. He tweets about his injuries. You don't see that a lot in guys. Do you think that Wainwright? Do you think that Wainwright is hard to kind of? criticize about like potential injuries, how they can be serious because of that side of the fan base that believes he can do no wrong because he's been here for so long. Well, first of all, I think anybody who criticizes a guy for being hurt is wrong. I was going to use the word idiot, but I'm going to try to be nice, but I don't think anybody should ever criticize a person for getting hurt. Uh, because, you know, these are the you know it's just to me that's ridiculous. So, so any fans who who would criticize Wainwright for getting hurt are you know that's out of line. Um, you could criticize the organization for like what isn't out of bounds is if Wainwright uh, does something that if he's not performing, okay, it, that's 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 okay or if you want to criticize the organization for for using Wainwright. But what fans need to understand is Wainwright earned his contract. Wainwright is making, is it $19 million this year? Yeah, 19 and uh, a half. You, you know what I mean? He's earning $19.5 million. So you, you're just not going to get rid of a guy who's making that much money. But more importantly – who's done so much for your organization. In my opinion, Wainwright should write his own ticket out of town. He should, if I'm running the Cardinals, I believe in him enough 
to let him decide when when he's done because i because i know he's proud enough and i know he's realistic enough to know when you know what i can't do this he's not you know there are some guys i've covered some guys where you absolutely know that it's about themselves and not the team. Every team has a few of those guys. Uh, Wainwright isn't one of those guys. Wainwright is a team guy, and he's going to do what's best for the team. So with that in mind and everything he's accomplished and everything he's meant to this organization, I'm going to ride Wainwright until he's done in his mind. And I, I think he deserves that. Uh, respect from the the Cardinals organization. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah. Wainwright isn't a divisive figure, uh, but but fans may, you know, they, they you know, there's there's some who are loyal, and then there are others who you know, who don't see the big picture, and and the big picture is. Wayne Wright is gonna is earning nineteen point five million dollars. He's done quite a bit for this organization. He deserves to be in this rotation when healthy. Polarity. No, yeah. I, I percent. Um, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. And I think I think it was Bernie the other day I was listening was making a really good point. Um, the Cardinals got really lucky when they signed Wainwright to that contract, because if it was even a little bit later, you're looking at like, based on what he was doing, Clayton Kershaw money, essentially. So they, they could have, they saved themselves a lot of money in that sense. And I think that your point to the fans is really spot on. I think that the term best fans in baseball has taken what was what was a, like a moniker of the team, and it's now just become kind of a sarcastic verbiage used to talk about the fans that have those opinions that are so outlandish and are willing to degrade a guy because he's hurt. Do you think that that there's that vibe out elsewhere outside of this conversation? I don't. You see. <clears throat> I'll be honest, I don't – I haven't heard it, you know, because I I don't – you know, I don't follow many people. I don't follow fans on, on Twitter, and uh, partly because of some of the uh, vile racist stuff that I got early on in St. Louis, I've muted, like, so many Cardinals fans that I, I'm probably like the, the last person who can really tell you what what some what the angry fans are saying. Because most of the fans that who I interact tend to be very reasonable, uh, knowledgeable. So so I don't know what the knuckleheads are saying. I can only tell you what <laughs> what reasonable, cool um level headed Cardinals fans are because those those are the ones I interact with. I guess that makes us cool then, right? There you go. <laughs> hey, hey, one of us is a one of us is a knucklehead. Don't forget. Um, yeah. 
I have a question, and if you don't mind, Mr. Ortiz, if you would take us, and if, if this is going too personal, please just let us know, and we, don't, we certainly don't want to put you in an uncomfortable place, but can you talk to us about that racism that you just alluded to? I think that's you know, very painful for you, admittedly so, but it's also unfortunately a piece of the world that you encountered when you came to St. Louis and, and elsewhere. Do you mind talking about that at all? Yeah, I wouldn't say. Trust me, it's it's not painful to me. I mean, I, um, I, well, listen. I, I grew up in the inner city uh, as the the one Mexican family in in a predominantly black neighborhood, um, and you know, I'm married to a white woman from Iowa. Uh, I, I spent three years in New York, so I've. You know, I'm, I I love everybody. You know, like I'm. You know, I I take pride in having not only embraced diversity, but like diversity has been a hallmark of my life. You know, it's you know I'm and, and so I I it, it wasn't painful to me to deal with that. I I just pretty much would just it was it was kind of like a nuisance because at first I would interact with them or kind of expose them. Uh, and, and then I realized like, I'm just feeding their ego by letting these people um, into my, my life, you know, the, um, and I've, I've learned, and I make this joke, like never bring, never bring somebody who drives you crazy to dinner. And that being when I'm at home with my family, I don't think about any of those people because they're not at dinner with me. I don't want them at dinner with me. Uh, But it was, I'll tell you an early experience, like uh, my first week in St. Louis, I made the observation that the Cardinals' defense was way too sloppy, um, and and a Cardinals fan decides to tell me to go back to Taco Bell or something stupid about Taco Bell, and and I said, "Congratulations, you win the award for first racist comment in St. Louis." And, you know, I've, I was very fortunate to have developed a very good bond with Astros fans uh, because I interacted with them. You know, I, I would go drinking with them. I'd have, you know, dinners to discuss my Hall of Fame with them. Like, I love interacting with readers on a personal level. And, and I've, you know, I've, I have a lot of Latino sports writer friends who who have helped me or I've helped them or who've mentored me or I've mentored them. And they pretty much got on Twitter and got on this guy. And, and some of my most rabid uh, Astros friends, friends just, just crushed this guy on Twitter to the point where first he, he – uh, first he – 
made his account private, and then he just completely got off Twitter. And I felt bad because it, it was almost like bullying because fans were – they got on him. They, they, he never realized – and it wasn't St. Louis fans. It was Houston fans who kind of pointed out to this guy that, you know, like, you're an idiot. Why would you – why would a observation – an observation on baseball – prompt you to respond with something racist. Um, and uh, and then later, um, the guy completely got off Twitter and yeah. sent me, uh, as fate would have it, he had a joint Twitter account with his wife. And, uh, and his wife just got on him and said, why... You know, what did you do? You know, can you imagine your wife or your spouse, your girlfriend or your sister, parent, reading their Twitter account and wondering why they ha- they have all these mentions pointing out how much of a racist tool you are? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so long story short, a week later, the guy goes to my pri- my my professional Facebook page and apologizes. And I and I told him I said, listen, I've moved on. It's not. It wasn't a big issue for me. I just wanted to respond to you. And all I did was respond. I, I just said congratulations. I just I figured, you know, there's my dad. My dad's from Mexico. Um, I was born in L.A., but my parents are from Mexico. And my dad would have this line that essentially let there be one idiot, not two. Um. And and I was raised with that. So you know, if you think somebody's an idiot, don't don't get into a fight with them, or just let there be one idiot, not two. So I just told the guy, I said, hey, you know, I'm I'm done. You know, like it's it's not an issue. Don't worry about it. And I thought he was just genuine in his apology. And then his response was, um, my wife is very upset. Um, she was embarrassed by my comment. Um, I apologize. Would you mind deleting, screenshot it? You know, I took a screenshot of it. And he says, would you mind deleting your tweet with the screenshot? And, um, and I never responded to him. Um, because I, I, I spoke to, like he said, you know, I have children and um and i have I'm one of eight children, and I text messaged my siblings the exchange. I text messaged them screenshots of the guy's private facebook message and i and I put it up to my vote to a vote and uh and three of my sisters said no don't don't take it down." let this be a reminder to him that if you're going to put that crap on Twitter, wear it. Um, and, and, you know, as you all know, the Cardinals were pretty bad defensively in 2016, right? 
Yeah. And they were pretty bad <laughs> defensively in 2017. Yep. So my pointing out the flaws should have been praised. Like, hey, you know, you see what's there. It's obvious. To me, it was obvious the first week. And and um, so, and that was pretty much my mindset for the first six months. Uh, here in St. Louis that, you know, to just kind of point out, like, I wasn't going to take it or whatever and just say, hey, you know, really, is this how you're going to respond? And then I realized that nothing is gained by interacting with people who who have such little regard for people of color that that their interactions are just ignorant. So, so pretty much, I, I either block people. Before I would like just say, "Hey, you're blocked," and then I just stopped. I just I stopped letting people know. I just block them private, quietly, or or um, or you know, just muted them, and it's. It's amazing how, you know, I've I've had two or three guys send me angry emails and say, how dare you be from Twitter? You owe it to me to be accountable to me. And, uh, you know, I'm accountable by trying to do my best for the paper trying to write um, most honest opinions that I have and digging for answers, but nowhere, nowhere in my job description does it say that I have to accept Twitter trolls sending me racist stuff. Yeah, you know, Jose, they, uh, this, um, is our, this, this is Dr. Miles. I just want to follow up as my donkey bays in the background. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for telling that story. Uh, oh, my gosh, they're all going to get going. I, um, I'm a father to um, six adopted children who are of different race than myself. And uh, so what you said really resonated with me, and I love what your father's statement of let there be one one idiot, not two. And so I just wanted to personally thank you for that. And go ahead, Josh. Yeah, Jose, um, I remember actually pretty vaguely, but I do remember most of that because I, I started following you pretty early on because, you know, St. Louis and Cardinals, just like you said, there's not a whole lot else going on. Um, and I think that early, I think you really settled into a nice role when it comes to, you know, St. Louis media. Early on, it felt when you were when you were interacting, I think it felt like you um, were, in a sense, taking up a mantle that was lost by Joe Strauss. I don't, that might be reaching a little bit. It just felt like, you know, the calling out of, you know, stupidity um, was kind of like a, his trademark thing, and I felt like you did a really good job of that. Um, and as for the blocking everything, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but uh, Shea Serrano is actually one of my favorite follows 
on Twitter, not just because of, you know, his insight, but his, his block game is very strong. I think if you, he has some fun with it. I think you could, you could enjoy it if you uh, looked into what he's doing. I think it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. You know, I'm, one big regret of mine is that I've never met Shay, even though he used to work at in Houston. Um, I have no idea how we never met, um, but he he does a lot of basketball stuff, and I you know I was always focused on baseball. Yeah, but you know, I think if I were in Houston, uh, I'd feel more comfortable to be free to be myself. Uh, in St. Louis, um, I decided that the best avenue is to quietly block people because, um, that like, like I noticed right away that the, the biggest people that who had my back uh, during that incident were all from Houston or Latino, and and unfortunately here in St. Louis there just aren't many Latinos, you know, that this is like, like nobody feel that, that it's worth, you know, like, like, man, you, you probably have to go all the way to January. Oh my Lord. You guys would laugh so much if you guys knew what a national columnist just texted me about, about the Astros crowd, which is hilarious, but uh, <laughs> I got a text from my friend um but um it's just it's just not it's no fun um being um you know I, I have three young daughters and I don't you know one's on Twitter and and I don't want them to to see the the ugliness so I just block people um and and do it quietly because I found that it, you know it's it it eases my mind and and it doesn't um doesn't give them the satisfaction of of um like getting cuz people what I found is that people who who are trolls like that they want acknowledgement they want uh they want you to they want to feel that they got your attention or that they got to you like it and um whereas you know there, there's a there's a radio guy here he doesn't work here anymore but um it took him like months before he realized that I had muted him and this idiot it was so funny because one of his twitter followers said he probably muted you, and uh, he he wanted to get into this discussion about like he wanted to get into debates, and I and I you know I told him I said listen I'm I'm at the at events. If you want to have a discussion, I'm at an event. We don't have to have a discussion via Twitter, um, and that's just you know. And and that's just that's just the way I was raised. It's, it's you know, I don't 
if you if you look at if you if you follow me on Twitter, you'll notice that I I try unless I'm saying something positive about somebody's work. I'm not you know I'm not having debates on Twitter with other journalists. You know I I find you know I find it ridiculous that when you have journalists attacking other journalists on Twitter, you know, and, but, you know, everybody, everybody has to do what, what they're comfortable with, but I've been here, you know, I've been here two years and I, I, I and I, it, it took me a, a very short while to realize that this is a city that, um, it takes a while for outsiders to be welcome, you know, and, and I've learned that from the Cardinals because friends of mine would say, Hey, don't worry about that stuff. You know, you know, St. Louis is where tough on Tony Russo at first. Um, and you know, if, you know, every outsider has had his, his, you know, era where you have to, you know, this is the one city where they take pride in asking what high school you went to. (laughs) I don't know, you know, I've worked, most of my career has been spent at major cities where diversity is important and um, transplants are a major flavor. Okay, Houston's the most diverse city in America. Uh, L.A., right there with it. New York, you know, same thing. And when you have... When you have many transplants, it's easy for them to accept transplants. When when you don't have many transplants is you tend to be hesitant or less welcoming to outsiders. You know, Jose, um, I think all your points are really poignant. And I, I think that I've got a different view, you know, of your, your mindset. And I really, I really enjoyed listening to that. Now I know we're probably going to lose you here soon. So I just want to, switch oh, no, gears no, real quick we're, we're, trust, trust me we're good to go my kid's still out there she's out there till 8 30 so she had a headache and, and was trying to whine about she made me believe that she'd she couldn't practice so i didn't know if she'd come back in the car and says i but she's out there running hard nah, that's fine good. well i'm gonna change gears to the, to back to baseball for a second. Um, we talked about the pitching staff a little bit, and I think one thing that's interesting was the comments about Reyes recently about, you know, him getting, you know, brought up as a starter. Now, do you – now, barring injury, this is, say, a healthy staff, do you see him, you know, in your opinion, in the rotation this year, and do you think that he could – jump Jack in that situation or is Jack 
slotted in as the number one option, regardless of what Reyes does. No, no, no. Um, I I believe if healthy, you know, Alex Reyes will be your number two starter by the end of the season. Jack Flaherty's good. Don't get me wrong. He's really good. Uh, and he'll be a great, you know, maybe number four, maybe number three this year. But Alex Reyes could be an ace. Okay, Alex Reyes, if healthy, if, you know, he pitches to his potential. And don't don't take this from me. Take this from Adam Wainwright. Take this from Carlos Martinez. They're the ones who said this to me after watching them in spring training. So, no, no, no. Um, this this team, the reason I'm so high, the reason I picked them in the preseason to win the NL Central is because I really believe that once they get Reyes, they're going to have a one and two if Martinez is health, stays healthy. Like if, if all these statements are made with the assumption of these guys remaining healthy or getting healthy. If healthy, they, they have Martinez, Reyes, Weaver, and, I, you know, that's going to be a good little one, two, three. And Michaelis, I mean, you've seen it. He's yeah. he's pitching real well. Um, so I, I'm very high on this rotation. But, but yeah, no, no, there's – Flaherty's ahead of, of Reyes now, obviously – but Reyes could be your number two starter in the playoffs. And I think That's my a- my question, yeah, my question here then is is, uh, or I guess my kind of opinion on it was when I initially when I heard the statement, it, it felt as if you know they they weren't sure exactly when. Reyes would be back with the team. Assuming that he gets four to six starts in his rehab assignment, um, or maybe even a little less, at what point in the season would you expect him to be with the team and and pitching full-time? Well, remember, he's on the 60-day DL, right? You you, you guys have to remember that. So so we're talking June. Um, Okay. I I wouldn't expect him – um, and, and, and if he's the type of guy who you want to be very careful with, you don't need to rush here. I, I wrote this when they signed Michaelis and I wrote this numerous times, the Michaelis signing, I was very high on right away because I thought that signing bought developmental time for Flaherty and bought time for the Cardinals not to have to worry about rushing Reyes back. I didn't assume that Wainwright would be on the DL twice in the first month. But I thought if they could just get to May, they'd be fine. And I made that comment before they put Reyes on the 60-day DL. They're almost out of April. 
and Clarity has been able to but has bought them that time. Now they need Wainwright to get healthy and come back because I, I keep pointing out in every live chat, you can never have enough pitching. I can't tell you how many people ask me about trading Waka on my live chat over and over again the last three weeks. <laughs> and I keep pointing out that I wouldn't trade Waka and people say, well, but you have clarity. Well, guess what? Now you don't have clarity in the minors. You have clarity up. So if another guy gets hurt, now you're talking about John Gant or Gomber, right? Mm-hmm. So so suddenly, you're, and I'm high on Gomber, um, but I think Gomber's probably like a guy that probably needs to be in the minor leagues for a couple more months to, to be able to help you consistently as a starter. And John Gant, he he had a great spring, but John Gant is more of a number six starter or long reliever, right? Um, at least that's what he's shown so far. Um, so I, I mean, you, you need Wainwright to get healthy so that you have an option of deciding, you know what, we're going to keep clarity up and we're going to maybe skip Wayno from time to time, or maybe give one of the starters an extra day or two. Um, but, but you need, but once, once you have Wainwright healthy, and once you have Reyes healthy, man, you, you, you know that's why I wrote today that that even though they're on pace for 100 wins, this team is much better than it, it has played. They've, they really, um. Play, and obviously they had a break in the schedule with the Reds, but you still have to beat the Reds. Mm-hmm. But they've Which done they all couldn't this. couldn't do last year. Right. They've done all this without Greg Holland having one save opportunity. Greg Holland has more losses than he does save opportunities. Think about that for a second. Um, Bowman, Myers, Norris, obviously. Uh, who am I missing? Lions. They've all had more. They've all had save opportunities. Greg Holland hasn't. You're paying Greg Holland fourteen million dollars this year because he's a stud all-star closer. Once he's in form, holy smokes, this bullpen's going to be really strong because Hicks. Yeah. I mean. Where would this team be without Hicks? Yeah. So you're talking about you're talking about Hicks, Norris being two brilliant I mean brilliant decisions by the farms by the by the front office. The decision to decide we cannot start the season without Hicks and the decision in spring training 
to sign Bud Norris. Bud Norris has five saves and five chances. This team is in turmoil if not for Bud Norris because he's come in and picked up some big-time saves for this team. And if they if they lose, you know, two of those five games that he's had saves in, now suddenly you're looking at an 11 and 10 team. You know, so that that's a big difference. If you're 11 and 10 versus 13 and 8, and you've already played seven of your games that you'll play against the lowly Reds. So, so I, I re- I'm really high on this team because, y- you know, Hicks is really good, and and uh, you know he has such a powerful arm that he can also get away with mistakes. Because when you throw a sinking 102 mile per hour fastball. You know, you're going to get away with some mistakes. Yeah. Um, but but Bud Norris, I mean, Luke Gregerson missed the first two weeks of the season. So they, they Luke Gregerson, who was supposed to be a candidate to close, has only made two appearances. Okay, Greg Holland, who you signed to close hasn't had one save opportunity yet and and he he lost the game and he struggled a couple of times so so you have to believe that in May when Greg Holland is is good is when Greg Holland is Greg Holland man this bullpen is going to be pretty good to have Jordan Hicks and Bud Norris setting up and, and, I mean, Tyler Lyons, I really hope that fans appreciate the job that Tyler Lyons has done as the only left-hander in this entire pitching staff. I mean, you know, Brett Ciso, God bless him, he had a horrible year last year. Uh, so we don't know what he would have done. But he's been on the DL. Ryan Sheriff came up, got some quick – got some – made some great contributions – then got hurt. They they need they need somebody to, to another left hander to get either sheriff or CISO to get healthy so they could ease some of that burden off um Lions. Um Dominic Leone, who you signed as a closer or you signed as a you acquired as a potential closer who had the best spring of all the relievers and who was your <laughs> That's the other guy that I that I forgot to mention has more save opportunities, more blown saves than uh, Holland has save opportunities. Um, so think about it. Think about how you were going to work back with this bullpen here. You're going to have a good Holland, probably Jordan Hicks, and Nor- Norris as the eighth, seventh. Gregerson, eighth, seventh inning. Lions, Matt Bowman. Uh, it's probably going to be your, you know, instead of being your workhorse that you're going to all the time, 
suddenly he's not as there's not a big of a need to just ride him so hard. Yeah, I think that that was one of Bowman's big problems last year was just overuse. Um, and I think that based on everything you said, I I think it's the front office deserves a lot more credit than they've been given because a lot of people were questioning the, the Miles Mikolas signing when there was a Jake Arrieta on the market or a Hugh Darvish, and then they signed Bud Norris uh, for cheap. And then he had a brutal spring, and he was people wanted him to get cut before he even pitched the game, and now he has been phenomenal. Um, the only thing that I think that I relate to being a, a mistake, I guess you would say, by the front office was their handling of Greg Holland. I think that the choice to bring him up so soon um, before he really got more innings was a mistake. Um, what what do you what do you think about their handling of Holland with with where the bullpen was at the time? I don't know. I mean, I would have I would have asked them last week to accept a move back down for ten days. Uh, that's that's how worried I was about them. Um, but you know, instead of going on a on an assignment to Memphis, he got he got to pick, pitch against the Reds. So so that's kind of like pitching against a Triple A team, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're he winning seven to two tonight, so don't worry. You can't say that, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? So they they have um they have quite a bit they have quite a bit of um. I'm trying to the Michaelis stuff. I'm I'm just trying to figure out if if people knew enough about baseball, if they would have they'd have been good with him. But the Holland one, I I think that everybody knew like it was an easier decision to argue. You know what I mean? Like like the the Michaelis one, nobody knew. But the Holland one, I think we all can say that that he should have been in the minors longer, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just – Yeah. There's no, nobody has said Holland is ready. Like, nobody, not, 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 the, not the Cardinals, not the manager, not Holland. So, but – with all that said, if if you consider, you know, who were you going to get, you know, Mike Myers. So he's taking Mike Myers' spot, right? Uh, he 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 came up and, um, so they, you know, they he's just been one one guy that's that's doing spring training in the majors, and they're thirteen and eight. They would be. There's no guarantee that they win that game against Milwaukee that he lost. Uh, so maybe they'd be 14 and seven. But honestly, who would have been able to pick up those innings afterwards? Right, like you know, Mike Myers. A lot of, of a lot of 
Mike Matheny's cynics, uh, our critics were complaining that Mike Myers wasn't pitching enough. I mean, the, the Cardinals were winning, and people were complaining that Mike Myers was still sitting. You, you have to earn your strikes here. So, if I had the choice between pitching uh, a rusty Greg Holland or a Mike Myers, I'd have probably done the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah, I agree as well. The um, I think that people got really concerned, and there's the there's the folks that will jump out to the, oh no, what are we doing? We're spending this money on this guy, and he's not good. They, I think that patience is so key, especially in a 162 game season. I don't understand how some people actually make it through the year without going into cardiac arrest from just insanely high blood pressure. <laughs> well, I I give Mo a lot of credit. They saw spring training, and they saw problems. Okay? No matter what they were saying, they realized, at least internally, that it didn't make sense to go through a, through a season with Dominic Leone as your closer, right? Because let's go back to a month ago. Who is the Cardinals' closer at this time last month in spring training? <laughs> Dominic Leone. Yep. And at that point, they realized we can't do it. And then as soon as they gave Leon a chance, he proved that them correct, right? They didn't know nothing in Bud Norris's spring training told us that he'd be this crucial to the team. Um, because he, he struggled in spring training, which is an example of why spring training is so important and why people will tell you don't don't um, put too much weight on spring training stats with guys who have done it before. But more than that, they saw and had enough questions this spring that they realized that a guy they sent down first, the first guy kicked out of big league camp was Jordan Hicks. Well, guess what? Jordan Hicks is their most dominant reliever. And there's not a close second right now. So, major kudos to Matheny, to Yadier Molina, and Mike Maddox for convincing Mo that Hicks needed to be up. And I so, uh, and one, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. So, so therefore, I, I think, uh, I, I, I like the, the Holland move. I would not have given Holland the money that he wanted. Um, the commitment that he wanted in the off season, but as I've pointed out many times, the Cardinals print money. And fourteen million dollars on an all-star closer for a bullpen with a lot of holes. 
is a very good investment. And and I kind of want to it, piggyback it, hold on, off. Let me, let, let me yeah, clarify. sure. I'm not saying it has holes now. I'm saying a month ago, the holes were evident, and because we didn't know what Hicks was going to do, and we didn't know what North was going to do. So if you consider all that, there, you know, this and and you know, and Gregerson was on the DL when they when they announced the deal for Holland. You know, so they they had to sign Holland because if they had it. And Norris doesn't uh, do what he does, and Hicks doesn't work out. They they'd have been in real like like I said, April could have looked a lot worse if not for Bud Nor- Norris and Jordan Hicks. Sure, and, and what I was going to say was, you know, I think why we don't see Greg Holland going down to the minors is because of the money. You know, you're essentially saying the exact same thing with Adam Wainwright. You're not going to pay him $19.5 million to be a bullpen piece, for one thing. Um, So if he's healthy to start, you're going to start him. And it's the same thing with Greg Holland. You're not going to pay him $14 million to go sit in the minor leagues for uh, just to get prepared when he could have been in, you know, in spring training camp this entire time. Um, and obviously that is, you know, a little bit extreme given, you know, the circumstance surrounding this entire off season. But that's what I fall back to when I, you know, talk to other Cardinal fans is you don't pay $14 million to be in the minor leagues. And it's the same thing. Well, you wouldn't do the same thing with Matt Carpenter right now either. You wouldn't send him right. down. Well, with with Holland, it's a little bit different. Like, I, I, don't, sure. I don't think it's about money. It's about where he would rather be. It's, it's it's it has because he knows, right? You know, if he gets sent down, like, well, first of all, you can't send him down. Like, it has to be wherever he wants to to prepare himself. And so you're you're considering, do you want Brevia, or do you want Holland? So they're letting Holland work his way back, uh, and the man, he's close now. I I think, you know. I think he's very close to being your closer now. Um, he's, you know, because he was, if he'd have gone back, he's only going to be there for 10 days. So, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember when he had his, his bad outing. Was it in Cincinnati? Where the, three, the, the three walks, essentially. Uh, yeah, well, you got nobody out. His la- his right. last batter was about six days ago, right? Well, he pitched over the weekend. No, 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 um, no. But and... that, yeah, that's, that was a good outing. No, I'm saying. Yeah. I, I wrote a column. Uh, uh, oh, Thursday. What was the rain out? Thursday, right? Yeah. Okay, so Wednesday he had the bat outing. Wednesday. No, he had the bad outing Tuesday. No, Whatever. It was, yeah, yeah. Rain out Wednesday, uh, and then Thursday he didn't do so hot. Okay. So long story short, that so he would have been so if he'd have been sent down Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, five days. So he'd be in the minus for five more days. So he's been able to pitch 
non non stressful, non you know, low leverage innings. He's gotten his work in. Uh he's made two out he's made two appearances since then. So that's good. That's what he would have done in Memphis anyway, so so now you have him now you have him ready to go. Um this week against the Mets and you know so the bullpen you know it was good to see that on Sunday they got Norris some much needed work and they got Holland some much needed work so so when they return on Monday if they have a safe situation they'll have Hicks on one two, two days rest, so Hicks should be able to give you an inning if needed. Um, Norris and Holland, you know that those are three good arms, uh, ready to go. Sure. Well, before before we let you go, um, I do want to ask you about uh, a little something personal for me. Um, uh, you and I, you know, I, I share being Latino with you. Um, you know, my family coming from Puerto Rico. Um, so that, you know, we share that in common. I, I, and I want to talk about the Puerto Rico series. Uh, recently, I put an article out, you know, saying, you know, I think the that MLB should put the Cardinals in the Puerto Rico series next year. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I think that'd be great. Uh, but it has to be pretty much against the Marvins. That's what I told my dad, and he didn't want to believe me. <laughs> he said, "Why not the Cubs because of Javi Baez?" And I said, "You know, that's a that's a great point." Uh, even in my article, I said, "You know, even the Houston Astros because they're playing uh, the AL West next year um, with Carlos Correa. You know, there's your Puerto Rican connection there." Um, but I kept telling him, like, you know, that's going to be really difficult just because of travel. But then I thought, well, if the Cleveland Indians and Minnesota Twins can do it, why can't the Cardinals do that with uh, in a team like that? Answer your own question. Look at the look at the teams you just mentioned. Sure, sure, and and the and, and that's what Indians and the Minnesota Twins. They don't draw three million a year. The Cubs and the Cardinals. Do you really expect the Cubs, Cubs and the Cardinals to give up that gate? No, and I, and I don't. I don't, and I and I completely understand that. Um, I'm I'm definitely not blind to the economic impact, and that's something I also talked about in my article. Um, I just think I, I you know I, I definitely was writing it in a selfish perspective, thinking because I think Yadier Molina deserves the credit you know, for what he has done and what he's given to the Cardinals and what he's given to to uh, Major League Baseball. Um, and I think it would be a really cool way for, you know, Major League Baseball to honor him that way because he's in his last couple of years, you know. Yeah. Um, I agree with you 100% with that premise. But the fact is the romanticism – <laughs> of of your idea is that's just not the way these owners think, and yeah. they they'd rather trust me they'd rather honor Yachty 
with 43,000 people at Bush Stadium than, than give up. Because, uh, you know, those type of games work when you have, um, like like the Mexico series, right? It's, it's going to be who the Dodgers versus the Padres, right? Yeah. Coming up in May. So the Dodgers wouldn't want to give up the gate. But the Padres have horrible attendance. So, so if you, you know, I'm assuming those games are, you know, Padres games, and and they don't mind. You know, you take the here's what you take the Cardinals to Europe. You take the Cardinals to Japan. You don't take the Cardinals in the regular season, at least, to Puerto Rico. I could see them taking the Cardinals to Puerto Rico in the spring. That's a nice trip. Uh, but I just I just don't see, you know, I, I see the Cardinals, if they play in Puerto Rico during the regular season, I see them playing against the Marlins or against, um, let's see, you know, heck, the Reds. <laughs> you know, Somebody, you know, At least it'll be a win, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, remember, this is a business. And yeah. all decisions are made, you know, even the Goodwill tours are about money, regardless of what they call them. And, you know, it's, you know, Francisco Lindor returning with, with the Indians is a great story. But as good as the Indians have have done, they don't draw as well as as other you know as other teams. Neither, neither do the Twins, and and um, so you know I'd love to see it. I'm sure Yachty would love it. And if it happens, I think it'll happen with with you know that that type of scenario where they're playing. Sure. Um, a lowly team that gives up their gate. Sure. Well, if it does happen, you're the first person I'm contacting and said, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do this. So, um, yeah, I, I, I love Puerto Rico. I, I, um, I went to Puerto Rico with, with Carlos Beltran in 2006. That's awesome. Well, good. I, I'm glad you got a chance to visit. Yep. Uh, my, you know, my family, most of my extended family, my grandparents, they still live there. So, you know, we've, you know, my family and I have definitely been battling hurricane issues. And, and so it, I just, you know, again, selfish reasons for, for the Cardinals playing there. I just think it's uh it would be a nice tribute. And especially with the, you know, the dinner that they're putting on, uh, you know, the Yadier Molina Foundation that they're putting on in St. Louis here in June. I think it's just uh it all lines up and I'm I'm definitely a, a sucker for these kinds of things. So Yeah, no no. I, I love I mean, listen, I I'll tell you a little bit my about my career, okay, what things that I'm very excited to say that, that I covered. I covered the first major league regular season games outside of Canada and the US and it was Padres Met. In 1996, 
uh, in Monterey, Mexico. I covered the first opening day game, Major League Baseball opening day game outside of North America. Cubs met in 2000 at the Tokyo Dome. So, I I mean, I I get it. Uh, But when you pull teams from New York or Chicago or a story franchise like the Cardinals, it's going to be a showcase event with – it's going to be a showcase event, you know, like if they if Major League Baseball plays a regular season game in Europe, that's the type of game that you take the Cardinals to. You take sure. you know you take the Yankees, you take the Red Sox, you take the Cardinals, the Dodgers. You know, those are those are the the organizations that you take. Sure. Completely understandable, um, guys. Do you guys have any more questions before we turn Jose loose for the night? No, uh, Jose. Thank you very much. This was this was great. I love getting your insight on things. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. It was really well. Fun. Yes, so, yeah, Jose. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Um, and hopefully thank we can you. get you back on. Um, I know that uh, I speak for everybody here at Redbird Brands. Uh, we do appreciate your time, and I know uh, I want to say thanks again to Crash for uh, getting us connected and. Um, and again, I'm looking for you as soon as they announce the Cardinals to Puerto Rico. So we'll we'll, right. we'll stay in touch on that way, okay? Thanks again for your time, Jose. We appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye bye. And that was Jose de Jesus Ortiz from the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Guys, what a great conversation with the man. Um lots to take away from it. Um Definitely, you know, a different aspect of what we have seen, you know, from our first two guests um, being more of a play-by-play kind of people and and, and whatnot. Um, but Jose brought us some really good points, um, especially when it when it came to to Reyes and, and to Greg Holland, and even some some stuff about Adam Wainwright. You know, if he's healthy, you know. He deserves to pitch, you know, Dr. Miles. What did you What did you take away from this conversation tonight, man? I'll tell you. <clears throat> you know, he really talked about the business side of things and mm-hmm. and the place that that players hold on the team and that sort of thing. And, and that's a perspective that I think we as fans oftentimes forget. Uh, additionally, you know, and I know that it was the question that I asked, but. I love all the things, and not just for the question that I asked, but I love all the human aspects and the human connections that he shared with us. And that's what I've really enjoyed from all of these guys coming on is that there's a side to this business for them that, you know, we may read their piece and, and we forget that they, they take their daughters to a soccer practice when their daughter's complaining about headaches. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that sort of thing that, that we also as fans forget. Uh, but in terms of what he talked about for the team, <clears throat> I mean, one of the things that resonated with me from what he said was that idea of trading Waka, because I know that I've sort of talked about that before, too. Of, You know, you've mm-hmm. got all this protection behind them. Let's use the value that we have. Well, and, and I, I wonder if that begs the issue with Carson Kelly. Uh, you know, we've oftentimes talked of trading Carson Kelly, but what if you really do need him? 
uh, and maybe that is just sitting in Memphis, but it's protecting everybody up above. And, you know, like you said, you, you can never have enough uh, or too much pitching. So <clears throat> I thought he just really gave us a lot of stuff to, to mull over, a lot of things to add in. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, sit down tonight and keep working on my Greg Holland piece where I'm looking at all the numbers that he's posted in 2018 as it compares to his career, a good analysis piece. And I think it's very interesting because what he said was let the man get heated up. And I'm going to tell you guys, there's three years to look at, and that's 2011 – 2013, 2014. If, if Greg Holland can hit those numbers, whew, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be real tough on the back end of the Cardinals bullpen. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say something quick about the question you asked about is it races in St. in St. Louis, and you know what fans project onto uh, to them. And I'm sure you had me in mind at some point as well. Uh, whenever we <laughs> had to deal with uh, a particular commenter on one of my articles and you know, what he had to say about uh, that kind of, that kind of stupidity, I'm going to say, um, you know, it resonated with me as well, um, mainly because I was subjected to very similar things. And, and, and I know um, Josh even stepped in and, and, and commented on that and commented on the, the original poster. And, I, and, you know, I wrote an article saying, you know, say no to racism because it just doesn't belong. It's not – it has nothing to do with sports. And, and, and I wanted to jump in, but, I, you know, for the sake of time, I didn't. But, you know, I, I, you know, I really wanted to thank uh, uh, Jose for, for saying what he said uh, because it did resonate with me. And, you know, anybody listening tonight, you know, I, I, I would expect – you know, if you ever encountered it or you saw anybody doing it, you call them out because it's not the right. It you know, it's not right. Um, there's no yeah, room and for I, it. Yeah, and I did have, I did yeah, have you in mind. Uh, I I I definitely remember that. I remember that was sort of early on, uh, and I remember mm-hmm. that the thing that I said to to Jose was, you know, I love that his dad said, "Let there be only one, one idiot." And I think even right. I, I didn't I wasn't as eloquent as that in what I said to you, but I think I remember saying we we can't feed it. You know, we we there's no reason to make an overt response. And your response to it was writing a piece, and it was such an eloquent piece and so well put together because that is the response that needs to be made. That that's right. the power that 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 we have. And quite honestly, just like you said, that's the power that all of us as humans have is we can put a stop to things when we see it happening. And, and I wrote a piece a couple of years back <clears throat> about Tyler uh, Drenning, or Denning, I've forgotten his last name. Uh, you know, he was the minor league player from the Cardinals who came out as gay and, and, and talked about, you know, all of the ridicule that he suffered. And at the end of that piece, I said, to me, the biggest part of life is, I, I hate the phrase that we're all, col- you know, I want to be colorblind, because I think that's, not attainable. What I want to be able to say is that I see the difference between us, but it doesn't make a difference. And <clears throat> that's to his point and to your point and everything. So I agree with you, Tito. I loved that he told us that story. That was a very personal thing. And uh, I did have you in mind. I remember that, that whole exchange. And yes, thank you to Josh for jumping in. And quite honestly, let me just say this too. We have a great group of guys who write for Redbird Rant. We have all come to each other's defenses 
in many, mm-hmm. many different ways, laughed together, mm-hmm. taken up for each other on social media and things of that nature, because we've all had targets placed on us. We've all been called, you know, morons and uh, unfortunately worse phrases than that. What a great group of guys. Just a huge shout out to that. I think you, you mentioning Josh jumping in was the testament to that. And so kudos to you, Josh. And uh, again, I'm just so grateful he gave that story. Yeah, hey, I just let's not forget say, Josh. <laughs> yeah, go I ahead. I just want to say, you can attack Tito for being dumb. You can attack Tito for being goofy. You can't attack <laughs> him for who he is as a person. If you want to say he's stupid, I'll back that up all day. Anything other than that, I'm going to come at you. <laughs> and, and listen, I think I, that's I very, that. I think that's very true with our group because we all have such a great relationship now on on our our Twitter group that we attack each other fairly, uh, equally, and, and from a place of heart. Uh, but I do think, like you said, Josh, if you come at one of us on a personal level, you come at all of us, and. And I think that, that I, listen, I would now come to Jose's defense. I, I would have come to it before, certainly, but now I will go on that front line with him for sure. sure. Yeah, I think, uh, go ahead, I think going into this, we, we intended on, you know, talking baseball. But honestly, the biggest takeaway for me is everything he talked about more of his personal life, and I thought it was so great to hear all that. But honestly, one part of it was so – unbelievably disappointing to me was his story that no one in the area defended him. And I get he was new, but that's disappointing to hear. It is, but at the same time, I I get it. I mean, think about what he said right after that. You know, outsiders are not treated very nicely. Um, I think the biggest mantra that I have heard when it comes to – to racism or anything like that is our people are afraid of what they don't know. And that is this, that is true, you know, back then as it is today. So people may not, you know, who don't know Jose on a personal level or even as a writer, they're not going to know what to think. And it's the same way we, we, you know, we probably said thought in our heads the same thing. You know, we don't know who he is. We'll see how he writes. And, you know, unfortunately, there is an ugly side of St. Louis that does exist, and and that's that's true for for pretty much every city. It's not just St. Louis. You know, we, you could probably find it anywhere in the world. But you're right, Josh. It, it is disappointing that nobody really came to his defense. Um, but I, you know, I think I attribute that to just people are just they didn't know how he would act, and if they, you know. If he call if he was willing to call out one guy, you know what else would he do? And nobody nobody in today's society is willing to do that anymore. You can't you can't get call, you can't call somebody out without somebody taking a screenshot or firing back at you. Um, and I and I think that's that's part of the that's part of the problem. Well, I think this was a giant success. What a great! No, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean it, it. It was, and it was great to to hear him uh, speak. And I, I really hope that he will join us again. And I'm sure he he would be delighted to do that. Um, uh, any more takeaways before we you know get off the you know get off the air tonight? No, I'm 
I'm interested to see um, this team going forward. Now that now that uh, the we're done with you know playing AAA teams until June, um, I'm interested to see what they can do with this confidence going up against some contenders. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, and and I mentioned it in our chat the other day. You know, the Cardinals had not. Uh, you know, they you know they were three wins away from last year's season total wins against the Reds. And even Jose pointed it out, you know, they were not good against the Reds going 10 and nine. So they've already, you know, are close to that mark. Now, when it comes up to the Mets this week, you know, the Cubs next weekend, you're still, you're still in a pretty tough schedule, right? Dr. Miles. Uh, Yeah. It, it, and it's, you know what, it, it's going to be a great test because I think one of the things that all of us aren't mentioning, the big elephant in the room, is this, look, we just you know, swept the Reds and then swept the Reds, and we're sort of flying high, but we're all concerned, is it going to stick or is there going to be you know, a regression? And I think this is the test, absolutely. Yeah, so... Guys, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you to all our listeners for listening to Episode 3 of Extra Innings. We appreciate it so kindly. And also thank you for going on RedbirdRants.com for reading all of our stuff and giving us the feedback we so thoroughly or maybe not thoroughly deserve at times. For Josh and Dr. Miles, I'm Tito, and we will see you next time. Check us out on Thursday for another live edition of the official Redbird Rants podcast where we will have more baseball to talk about. Let's go Cards.